Welcome to the Great American Collectibles Show, heard Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on PSA.com and the PSA Facebook page. The Great American Collectibles Show is brought to you by PSA and the National Sports Collectors Convention. Tonight's headlines are brought to you by Sports Collectors Daily. For all of your hobby news, features, and more, visit sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now, your hosts, Tom Zappala and Rico Petroselli. Mr. Petroselli, how are Hello, you this time? Hello, nice to see you Happy, again. Happy, ha- Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that crap. When? Well, it's, it's uh, t- Sunday. Oh. oh. Sunday's Christmas. Yep, that's my, two, two of my favorites is Christmas and Easter. I like Fourth of July. Uh, okay. Fourth of July is good. It's warm. Yeah. It's sunny. No slush, no cold. Well, but uh, what do you do? Barbecue uh, and yeah. stuff like that? Yeah, we have a little gig at my house. Not me, not me, boy. Oh, anyway. Let's welcome to the Great American Collectible Show, Tom Zappler, Red Sox Hall of Famer, Americo Petroselli. Yeah. Did, did anybody ever call you Americo, like, uh, growing up? No. No, no, it was Rico. I had a lot of fights in school when the teacher used to announce she's called it Americo. And the kids with <laughs> boom, get out of here. All right, listen, uh, please uh, make sure you subscribe, like, and share the show with your friends. You can watch us on Facebook, YouTube, listen to us anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have a comment, a question, you can, you can while you're watching the show, you can make a comment uh, down below. And uh, you can email me at zapsenior, Z-A-P-S-R at hotmail.com. That's good. Uh, no swearing when they uh, come in? I don't care. It's up to them. It's up to them. All right, listen, we have a good show today. We have our good friend, Charlie Perino, first from JRI Cards, followed by... Can I say something? Yeah, go ahead. No, no, before... uh, These guys are great. Oh, they're awesome. They're really good. We we have Terry Melia and Dustin Porras from PSA. Nice. And then towards the end, if he shows up, because sometimes he forgets John Tarby from JT Sports. We love John. He's seen now, you know. Well, he's old. (coughs) Thank you. John Mallory was, I happened to be in the show, came in and. Uh, the first show we did. Yeah. Yeah, we did show. two shows today. Uh, folks, this guy is is terrific. John is very good. I mean, he's a bright guy. He's a writer, by the way, one of the great writers. Uh, he writes for a couple but he of did, But he did a lot of radio stuff, too. Yeah, he did. And but, TV uh, stuff. Yeah. Well, John yeah. is good. Very he bright is, guy. He uh, really He terrific. is very well spoken, you know? Yes. Like Lou Blasi, you know? Right. All right, listen, now, let's bring in our good pal, Charlie Perino from JRI Cards. First of all, Charlie, first question, how's your mom doing? She's doing good. Um, she's going to be discharged from the hospital probably tomorrow, and uh, we'll have her home for Christmas all wrapped up in, with a big bow on her. <laughs> good, good. Now, does she, uh, you guys do anything Italian on Christmas Eve or no? Uh, the fishes are, I'm a spaghetti guy. I need my macaroni. I need my pasta. Right, we so. do too. We do the same thing. Yeah. That whole fish thing has gone by the way. So. Oh yeah, definitely. Right, right down in Florida. There's a lot of fishes down. You know, there's a lot of uh, seafood restaurants. So I need some lasagna. You know how it is. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Garlic bread and I'm good. With some <laughs> gravy sauce on there. Yeah. Both. First of all. <laughs> Don't ever, on this show, <laughs> call it gravy. Don't ever I, I, call it no, gravy. No, I'm a sauce it's guy. It's sauce. sauce. But anyway, all right, yes, so Charlie, a uh, couple of things. Tell us about what's going on with JRI cards. you got all kinds of stuff going on. 
JRI cards, we're doing fantastic. Again, we educate and entertain during our four-hour shows, five days a week uh, at JRICards.com. We got packs from the 50s, 60s, 70s, some really rare, some that we get a lot of emails saying, please don't open that. It's too rare, but we like to dig up the cardboard treasure. Uh, we educate, entertain. We try to relive childhood memories when we were younger, saving our money from cutting grass and buying a pack for 10 cents. And it's fun to open those today, but they're not 10 cents anymore, so uh, they cost a little bit more. So, wait a second. You said you do – how many shows do you do a week? Five. And how how many – how long do they last? About three and a half to five and a half hours. Wow. Oh, yeah. wow. That's and we're constantly opening things. There's no you – know, you know, we're not discussing sports. We don't discuss politics, religion, or sports because it can turn into a war. You know, <laughs> if you got a Red Sox fan and the Yankees. <coughs> Excuse me. They go yeah. crazy. But you you have an entertaining show. That's one of the things that's great. You were with me. We, 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 no, no, Joe Marino was. You yeah, didn't, Joe Marino, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know something, Charlie? I've said this to you in the, in the past. You really should consider opening up your show to a live audience. Yeah, we're yeah, thinking about that. that. Once all this, the, the weather and the pandemic and all that, yeah, slowly phase almost zero. Get we're going to do that. Get those but cards. Right. We do pull those cards. We entertain, you know, when we're little, opening up cards were fun. And a lot of people open packs online, but we make it fun and exciting. We don't just look for the hit and throw the cards away. Uh, I make a lot of commentary, especially during the 70s, my, my peak era. And we have Nick do opening packs. He's more the modern guy because he knows more of the modern guys. But I like those plain Jane 70s baseball, football, basketball, hockey. Uh, it was simple. And we were, it was fun when we were a little collecting. And we looked forward to it. On our little shoebox in our room every day. What age groups do you get? Uh, all all age groups, young and uh, pretty much. Older? We do about eighty percent vintage, and I'll call it mid modern. You know, the two thousand five, eight, ten. But yeah. we got guys as old as seventy years old collecting uh, with their wow. kids and grandkids. Dads uh, with their kids watching, and it's fun because they're, they're. We really do a lot of education. Uh, we give a lot of pricing. Uh, who's in the pack, what year it is, because nobody really knows like this too much. Yeah. You know, te- uh, Charlie, you, uh, you contacted me and you said, hey, I have a surprise for you. Uh, I have a nice little pack opening, uh, and uh, let's uh, let's take a look at it. Nice. Oh, I- the 1999 Fleer Sports Illustrated box. Very is that what box. it is? So yeah. uh, we have a clip, and uh, David's going to play it. Yeah? Yeah, right now. Well, I think uh, Chrissy's going to play. I think uh, someone's going to play. Gonna play. Playing the clip, I feel like I'm on the Tonight Show. There's <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Carson. Last pack. Can we just add one more autograph, please? Hey, Rico, that's for selling. Oh God. Red Sox. All the same. Jeez. Most home runs ever by a shortstop till A Rod beat it, and he's. I talked to him. He's a little upset about it because you know A Rod had that little issue. Rico Petroselli, posting a video at the National. We hung out with Rico, and he's just a great, great guy. He's funny. He's entertaining. The Great American Collectible Show. And he's got a lifetime of stories. If you ever sit him down and buy him a drink or a bowl of spaghetti and meatballs, he'll tell you all <laughs> the great, great stories. Oh, Rico God. Very cool. Very uh, cool, Charlie. So, Rick, nice you, I, I, how come I, my, my card, I've never been opened in a pack, ever. 
Well, you know, stay with it. The shows, they're going to have cards for shows. Oh, do they? How they really? Yeah, they're going to be in We pulled Rico's card plenty of times, and that was out of the blue. Rico, it was a 1999 Fleer Sports Illustrated you autographed a long time ago. Yeah. And yeah. it came out of the blue. You know, like, <laughs> I wasn't expecting I knew you were possibly in there, but we're going through all the baseball guys, and then there you were, <laughs> holding a bat with the donut. It was a great shot. All right, Charlie, uh, your website address? Uh jricards.com uh, live five days a week YouTube, Facebook, uh, we have charity breaks for our independence for veterans and the show's fun and exciting and we make card collecting great fun again as you were a kid but they're worth a lot more money today. Than they so, Charlie, life. I'm going to be down there in a couple of weeks, so I get invited to come in as a guest and just hang out yes, with you? Yes, I got the cigars ready for you and Rico <coughs> uh, you know, scotch and we'll I want to come down. This. I'm serious. I'm going to come across. No, I want to stay at a hotel. I'm not going to stay. No, you can stay at my house. What's cheaper in a hotel? 139 bucks a night. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. <laughs> I can get kidding me. I'm over free breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Charlie. We love you. Thanks, Charlie. Hey guys, happy holidays. Yeah, Same to you. Good to have you. We'll get busy. We'll get to work. Take right, care, Charlie great. Perino. Oh, good guy, great. huh? Oh, Charlie is, uh, you know, he, he understands what we're all about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, well, no, I think that uh, he's. It's a great idea to make it entertaining too, not just you know. Uh, so, well, that's what I mean. He makes it. He makes it fun. Yep. And I tell you what, he's got a beautiful. You haven't been there. No. He's got a beautiful operation uh, down in West Palm. Beautiful. I'm going to come down. He's, he's in one of those office condos. Yeah. Got a little studio. You got to come. Yeah, seriously. We'll, we'll have a blast with him. Yeah. Yeah, I'll come. We'll come down. I'll tell you come what. Down. $119. No, night. no. I can get it for 84 Where? Motel 6? So? All right. All right. <laughs> All right, listen. No. Let's bring in our two guests, <clears throat> both PSA gurus. We have uh, – we're going to hold him for last. Terry Melia from PSA. Terry does a little of everything. Writer, uh, uh, bon vivant. That's what I call very, Terry. Very and then – we have Dustin Porras. Now, Dustin is the Pokemon guru. Welcome, guys. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey. Now, hey, Rico. Hey, Tom. Happy holidays. Thank you. Now, yeah. Dustin, I want to – I want there's a qualifier here. I want you clearly to understand that I know nothing about Pokemon cards, and Rico knows less than me. <laughs> Fair enough. That's, that's fine. That's a situation I'm very familiar with. None of my family is into this kind of stuff. So whenever I have to describe my job to my parents, my brothers, whoever, it's 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 the same thing. So well, no here's reason. what I think is is a good opportunity for you because we have been asked many times over the years we've been on the air, what, what's this Pokemon stuff all about? Obviously, we deal with a lot of vintage collectors, modern collectors. So this may be an opportunity for people to learn, our viewers and our listeners on the radio, to listen, learn. And if you have kids or you're a collector yourself, pick it up. Where did they originate, the Pokemon cards? Again, these are very basic questions, Dustin. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy to educate all the listeners here. Uh, Pokemon originated from Japan. Uh, the franchise itself actually started in 1996. Uh, it started off uh, with the flagship video games, Pokemon Red and Green. Uh, that's kind of where the franchise sprouted from, where, where these original video games. All the characters, all the references, all the locations, everything comes from those video games. Uh, so those came out in, in 1996 in Japan. They were a huge uh, sensation right off the bat. 
And then from there, they're spraying uh, comic books, TV shows, movies, and of course, the, the trading card game. Uh, and it didn't hit uh, the United States or North America until 1999. And it, it, it just took the world by storm from there. The fact that it was translated into all these different languages, French, German, Portuguese, and, and it still had the same resonance uh, says a lot about the franchise. And um, it just paved the way for success going forward. And all those things that I mentioned, the the comic book, the series, um, the, the movies, all that stuff was was also transplanted in these different countries. So, um, and and here we are today. It's it, uh, Pokemon turned 25 years old last year, and it's still going strong. The the trading card game uh, has evolved and changed so much since then. There's still new Pokemon video games and uh, movies coming out constantly. So it's it's. As strong and, and possibly even bigger than than it was in its heyday in the nineties. So my my eight, to- my eight year old grandson is really into it, and mm-hmm. he tells me what he wants. So so we'll go dig it out. How many different variations are there? How many different characters are there in Pokemon cards? Uh, the Pokemon franchise is actually split up into different generations. So in the 1990s, that first wave of trading card products and characters, that was 151. Those were 151 Pokemon. Since then, there's been nine uh, consecutive uh, eras. We're, we're in uh, Generation 9 now. Um, and so there's there's several hundred there's I've, I've honestly lost count the exact number of pokemon but there are there are a ton to collect and not only that but they there's a ton of nostalgia for the franchise obviously and so there's a lot of cards still coming out uh for those first generation pokemon like pikachu and charizard some of the more fan favorites and so yeah it's it's it, I, I think we're probably pushing a thousand at this point that's of, amazing of wow. characters to collect my grandson, seven years old, comes over the other day. Same thing, right? Comes over two two packs. I said, "What's this? Pokemon? Pokemon?" Well, of course, I knew. It. Let me see them. So you know, we open them, and it's all different. I know it's characters. crazy. So we thought it was a game. We were looking for instructions on some sort mm-hmm. of a game, but there was no game. You know, in the, all the cards. He loves them. Of he course. loves all, them. all the kids do. Oh, hey, man. Terry, are you a, are you a Pokemon guy, Terry? <laughs> oh yeah! You really have to ask that question, Tom. <laughs> Actually, my background includes two and a half years working for Wizards of the Coast up in Seattle, but they produced a game called Magic: The Gathering. So I was a uh, a recreational uh, player there up in uh, Seattle. This was about twenty two years ago, uh, but I never touched Pokemon. Although it's it's quite the phenomenon. It's amazing, Terry. What is your what is your your your, your responsibility yeah at, at psa <laughs> my responsibility a little of everything i know but my responsibility is to show up every day <laughs> um, basically i uh, i provide content whether that's for the website uh for the magazine uh for the psa blog or the great american collectible show <laughs> or the great american collectible show and orchestrating guests for your show periodically yep i set up uh, media interviews for people that want to Interview guys like Nat Turner or now our new president at PSA, Ryan Hogue, who has uh, just come into uh, basically he's just come into that position about a month ago. Uh, we had sort of an organizational realignment. So uh, Ryan's somebody that collectors are going to get to know a lot better in 2023. Um, he's going to be writing president's messages to the collectors and things like that. So it's something to look forward to. 
And above all that, I edit and I copy edit and I try to proof as many things uh, before they go out to the public. So my job is to really be, you know, kind of the eyes on things before they go out to the public to make sure that they they're spelled right. It's grammatically correct and all that good stuff. And what about? You should should do some spelling for them. (laughs) Don't stop. (laughs) And Dustin, what about you? What exactly is your position at PSA? So I'm a brand manager for the PSA set registry, and I specialize in TCGs, which does include Pokemon, but also includes other trading card games like Terry mentioned Magic the Gathering, but also Yu-Gi-Oh and uh, MetaZoo and uh, any game that you can play, essentially. So I build sets for the platform that uh, collectors would want to uh, challenge themselves to complete. Um, I also... Uh, work on the marketing front to promote the set registry services as a free service of psacard.com. Uh, I promote our services uh, with regards to how you can track the value of your collection, how you can set goals for yourself, how you can add items to your inventory. So uh, a, a little bit, a, a little bit of it is building sets, but also a little bit of it is uh, spreading spreading the word as far as what the platform is and getting people excited and getting people signed up. Do uh, Pokemon uh, collectors? Do they have to send it to PSA to get uh, graded? Graded, yeah. Graded? Uh, I mean, is there value to yeah. ungraded ones versus graded? Uh, certainly, yeah. There's raw Pokemon cards out there that have boatloads of value, even if they're ungraded. But the same principle applies uh, to Pokemon cards as it does to sports memorabilia and collectibles. Of that, If you get it graded and authenticated by PSA, the value just shoots up and... Uh, the PSA has become kind of a household name uh, in the in the last couple of years in the Pokemon community, whereas before it kind of w- wasn't so much. But uh, influencers out there like Logan Paul, who's this big time YouTuber, have really pushed the hobby into the mainstream. And so Pokemon collecting has really kind of revved back up to, and, and even sur- surpassed the heights that it was in in the 1990s, where you actually have kids um, one of our uh, uh, marketing coordinators I saw just posted in our, our Slack channel the other day that her little nephew, uh, you know, probably not even 10 years old, was submitting cards to PSA. So there's there's actually a new generation of collectors, you know, 10 years or even younger that are familiar with PSA. They're aware of the value that it adds to their collection. And they're actually become submitters, which is really cool. What is the Mona Lisa of Pokemon cards? <laughs> what is the Honus Wagner of Pokemon cards? All right, so I'll, I'll give you the Honus Wagner, and then I'll give you the, the Mickey Mantle. Uh, so the Honus Wagner, I would say, is, is the Pikachu Illustrator uh, card, which is a, a prize card that was um, given out as a very limited, exclusive competition in Japan through this uh, magazine publication. And in order to win this, you had to submit artwork. You had to uh, basically sketch out your own imaginary uh, Pokemon card of your own design, submit it, and uh, there was a panel of judges that voted on the best submissions. And if you were one of those handful of winners, of which there were, you know, there's believed to be far less than even a hundred, uh, you received one of these Illustrator Pikachu cards, and that has shot up in value. It's uh, reached well over half a million dollars uh, of PSA graded examples on the marketplace. So, in terms of just the best of the best, the cream of the crop is the is the Pikachu Illustrator card. Uh, and so, uh, I think that's that's probably the best comparison to the Honus Wagner. But there's, uh, if we want to compare it to the Mickey Mantle, uh, something that's a little more mainstream, a little more accessible, but still retains that value. 
Uh, I would have to say it's the the base set first edition Charizard. Uh, that card is super super iconic. It's it's a fan favorite character, and it comes from the very first English released set from Wizards of the Coast in 1999. Uh, it it does have a significantly higher population than the Pikachu Illustrator, so it's a little more accessible. But that really hasn't affected its value over time. That that continues to rise with every passing year because there's so much nostalgia for Charizard as as one of those first generation characters it was it was it was that one card that all the kids in 1999 wanted on the playgrounds uh and so like i think it kind of just has that reputation of now that those kids are older they can have more disposable income and 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 get that card that they never were able to get to before so i'd say those are like the reigning champions i think there's things that uh, you know other prize cards or, or or trophy cards out there that supersede those but as far as the most iconic and in terms of value, I'd say those two are at the very top. We are chatting with Dustin Porras and Terry Amelia from PSA. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to get back to them. And then we have an On Deck with Rico segment. Uh, Hang in there. We'll be right back. Okay. Since 1996, Brian Drent and the staff at Denver's Mile High Card Company have led the charge in the collectibles hobby. Mile High is a full-service dealer specializing in buying and selling cards and offers a competitive consignment program for all collectors. Whether it be their computerized want list service, appraisals, or auction services, Mile High has it all. If you've been searching for a company with a selection of high-grade vintage 1888 to 1970 baseball cards and memorabilia that shares your passion, aim high, Mile High. Go to milehighcardco.com or call 303-840-2784 for more information. This is Brian Drent, president of Mile High Card Company. Is your sports card and memorabilia collection properly insured? For easily replaced personal property, homeowner's insurance is all most people need. But for prized possessions that you may have spent a lifetime collecting, it doesn't go nearly far enough. Collectibles Insurance Services has been insuring for over 50 years. They offer a full range of protection and a $0 deductible at an affordable rate with no appraisals required. I know because they insure my collection. If you have a minute, go to collectinsure.com and learn more about insuring your personal card or memorabilia collection. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. 
How would you like to own the bat that was used by your favorite player when he hit that towering home run or game-winning base hit? Now look no further than JT Sports, specializing in the sale and authentication of professional game-used bats. As the official authenticators of professional model game-used bats for PSA DNA, JT Sports will guarantee the authenticity of any bat purchased from them. JT Sports also buys and sells game-worn uniforms, gloves, and baseball equipment. The unique quality of the collectible is what JT Sports is all about. Give them a call at 609-487-8003 or check them out at GameUseBats.com. Number six on your roster. Number one in our hearts. John Dacovuja Pesasawi. They're cute kids. All right, it is time for our segment called On Deck with Rico, brought to us by our good friend Brian Dwyer and the great staff at REA Auctions. Don't forget to get your bid in by going to robertedwardauctions.com. That's Robert Edward Auctions for extraordinary results and extraordinary service. Today's question, Rick. Yes. This was submitted. And by the way, Mike uh, Willette, he will win a T-shirt. Great yeah. American Collectibles Mike T-shirt. Mike Willette sounds familiar. I don't know. Is he a friend of yours? No. I just the name sounds familiar. All right. Here's a question. Your thoughts, Mr. Petroselli, on the Aaron Judge contract as well as the Rodin Rodin, Rodin, yep. Rodin contract with the Yankees. Yeah. What are your thoughts on both of them? Well, I, here, I, Judge had to sign, not just because of the 60 home, 62 home runs, but the fact that he, people love him in New York. He's still young enough, and, you know, he's a big guy. He could continue to, you know, just to kill the ball, uh, even if he, after five years or so, you know, if he slows down, he's still – very, very important. The money, I know f- fans say, well, the money. Look, you have to have, in every sport, stars, superstars, okay? The people come out to see them. They're, you know, they're always looking. What did Judge do? Now, the other guy, he might have been overpaid a little bit. You think? <laughs> Jeez. See, but, I mean, but, that's... Well, but here's the thing, guys. The owners are making a ton of money. A ton. Even if people don't come out to the ballpark, all the technology out there that they're involved with, I don't know how much they make from the betting, you know. Uh, but you know, this it's just they're making so much money, and the players, players associated, you know, they're going to get players are going to get their share, and so don't feel, you know. Sorry for the owners. So let me ask you this question, Terry. You can chime in here because you're a baseball guy. Yeah. So. I'm of the opinion that the Yankees have always kind of bought their try to buy championships. Is there anything wrong with that? Not in this day and age. You have to, to me, you have to go out uh, and get uh, and, and spend the money. And look at the Mets. I mean, of course, that's credible. Uh, the payroll three hundred million or something like that. So they he wants a, he wants a championship. Terry, what do you think? I'm always impressed with the smaller market teams like I think of the Kansas City Royals or the Tampa Bay Rays when they were, you know, just getting their engine chugging, uh, doing well in the playoffs and going far uh, on a minimal payroll. But now I look at, you know, my own Red Sox and they can't seem to retain star players because they're not willing to spend. And yet I think they're still in the top three as far as payrolls go across Major League Baseball. So it's been a mystery to me to watch this offseason take place. Um, so I'm a little disappointed with my own Red Sox. But by the same token, 
If the teams that have more money want to go out and offer incredible contracts to players, who's to stop them? Well, okay, I agree with you, everything you're saying. Doesn't it all revert back to the fact that if if the Red Sox want to do what they're going to do, they have to have an amazingly strong minor league system to do that, like the like uh, Oakland did when with Billy Bean was at his height. Well, Houston, there's a lot of teams who lost a hundred games uh, three, four years in a row, and then all these young guys came up. If you can do that, now will will fans in Boston, will fans in New York, and on the big market teams. Will they have the patience? I don't yeah, think so. You, you you look at that Billy Bean team, and that all disbanded because every one of those guys who became good, Jason Giambi, um, they those guys just jumped ship. He went to the Yankees because it was a big contract. So, again, maybe some homegrown talent. Johnny Damon was another one. Um, I'm glad he wound up with the Red Sox for the time that he was there. But again, like I said before, how can you blame these guys for chasing the money? And I saw yesterday where the Red Sox signed Justin Turner. He's a 38-year-old. He's a reincarnation, I think, of Trot Nixon from the 2004 uh, Red Sox. He's kind of that dirt dog guy. I like him. He's a gritty player. But we just offered him $22 million for two years, and he's going to be 40 years old. So I don't really get that. Uh, especially since we have Devers at third, I guess he's going to become a DH. Yeah, he'll DH. He'll DH. But but it's like, <laughs> why is Chain Bloom making these kind of off kilter acquisitions and letting superstars like Bogarts, uh, of course Mookie Betts, uh, those guys disappear? I, I don't get that. <clears throat> There's a lot of teams <clears throat> who just want to be because they don't have the money or they won't spend the money. They want to be competitive because if you're competitive, Terry, you know. People are going to come out, get excited. Oh, we lost, but boy, you know, next year, maybe we got a chance to win. They they go on. But it's the teams that will, you know, the teams that want to spend the money, like the Mets, like the Yankees, and a few other teams, you know, they they say, we want to win now. And so that's it. And so well, it all depends on the fans. I, I but they, but <clears throat> they're, making, they're making a ton of money, you know, uh, with, without having people to, you know, in, even in the ballpark. so Television no, contracts. Absolutely. Yeah, TV. Con- yeah. All right, let's so, get back to some okay, – I'm sorry. Yes. So, Terry, what were you going to say? Yeah. No, I was just going to say that's another, you know, moneymaker for, uh, for the owners and for the teams. Uh, again, so I don't know exactly how profit sharing works uh, all the time across Major League Baseball, but <laughs> I'm sure there's some interesting meetings that go on when that takes place. Uh, Dustin, getting back to the Pokemon, first of all, how many uh, – Tell us about the set registry winners. How many collectors uh, are on the registry, and how many active sets are there on the registry? Well, we did a, a quarterly report uh, in October 2022, and uh, the number of members that had at least one TCG item in their inventory was over 14,000. Uh, so it's a it makes up a big part of our set registry. Continues growing. We saw a lot of growth this year. Uh, Total number of active sets as of right now is 21,370. That's not how many checklists there are to complete. That's how many individual uh, uh, sets have been created for the set. But sets that are, that are on the registry? Uh, no, those are those are the total number of active gotcha, sets. So gotcha. if I'm if I'm a member and I see you know a Charizard Master Set and I wanted to start completing that checklist, that would generate one active set. So there's 
21,370 of those. Let's talk about the grading process of Pokemon cards, if we can. And Terry, you can chime in here. So how long has PSA been grading Pokemon cards? As as far as I'm aware, and I asked this question a while back, it seemed like as soon as Pokemon hit the markets, we accepted them for grading. Um, So I, I don't think that there was any sort of delay. I think as long as they've been around, PSA's been accepting them. Now, from a from a grading standpoint, with a particular grader, did I mean? There's a big difference, I would think, grading a '52 uh, Mickey Mantle or a 1933 Gaudi Bay Ruth versus a Pokemon card. Did PSA have to bring in special graders or train them to be able to grade mm, Pokemon cards correctly? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you have to be familiar with what you're handling, what you're looking at, and what uh, the card should look like in its in its gen mint uh, uh, state. Uh, and not only that, but we have to have people on our team that are experts in these properties, so that way they can weed out fakes and and know what truly makes a card authentic. Uh, a lot of these cards have pretty intricate, complex foil treatments, uh, like holographics and full arts mm-hmm. and things like that. And so uh, being familiar with how those should look is is super crucial. So, uh, yeah, not just not just graders, but getting uh, Pokemon and TCG experts on a research team is 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 super critical. How can uh, people uh, want to learn more about it? Yeah. I, I, I want to. Rico wants to be an expert in Pokemon. No, I want to look into Pokemon. Uh, can I go to the PSA <laughs> a website? Uh, and see the cards that are really, you know, valuable. Valuable, so I can steal my uh, grandson's uh, two packs, and he won't know. And anyway, he's only seven. But uh, <laughs> now, seriously, is that what? Can I do that? Go to PSA or some other? Yeah, all all of the card information that you could find for sports, <coughs> whether it's re- with regard to population reports or PSA price guide, all of that is has been applied to TCG and, and Pokemon cards. Yeah, so okay. if you if you read PSA magazine, if you go on the on our on PSACard.com and check out the population report or a price guide, yeah. all you know, there's Pokemon sets spanning all the way back to 1999 and even mm. before that that you can find information on. So you can actually get an idea of what's out there, what's already been graded, and, and what things are valued at. So it's it, important because it, we got a lot of – yeah, we got a lot of collectors uh, watching and listening. And uh, and so I, I know I'm going to do that because uh, <clears throat> now that I'm uh, an expert in the uh, – Pokemon. Know, cards, I want to be an expert. Uh, another good source for information is the blog at PSA. So go to um, uh, blog.psacard.com. Uh, we do periodic updates on there regarding Pokemon. Um, Dustin is usually the author. He and a guy named Greg Marquez kind of, you know, switch hit with regards to some content that we put up there. And I just wanted to also say that Dustin was mentioning about the um, the influence of social influencers. And somebody who else has come into the Pokemon realm as of late is a woman by the name of Laura Don Diego. And we just did a profile piece on her in PSA Magazine. And Tom, I'm going to um, pitch her for your show uh, because she's just an incredible influencer, even though she calls herself just a businesswoman. But she has a great following, 32,000 followers on Instagram. But she also is just kind of a diamond in the rough. She came into this a couple of years ago. Now she buys, sells, trades. Um, She's a very popular figure in that realm. So um, that's somebody to read about in the January issue of PSA Magazine. And Dustin and I, 
actually co-wrote that piece. So that was a good, uh, it was a good joint effort by the two of us to put that together. Terry, um, let's switch gears for a minute and tell us what's going on with PSA. How many employees now? Do you have any idea? Our ballpark. Um, PSA specifically or collectors? Well, PSA first. I'd say PSA is past the 600 level. We're probably around 1,500 to 1,600 with collectors, but there's overlapping positions with PCGS and PSA. So it's tough to sometimes differentiate. Plus, we have people in operations who work for both divisions. So it's a little bit hard. But uh, suffice it to say, we've more than doubled our staff in the last 18 months. Wow. Unbelievable. How about some of the new innovations? That's what anything. Well, well, one of the best uh, new innovations, the relaunch and the revamp of the Collectors Club took place. Uh, on Friday, we made the announcement publicly. There's four components to the new revamped, uh, relaunched Collectors Club. And again, the first and foremost that Collectors Club grants people is great access to grading specials. Uh, right now, we have two grading specials going on through the end of the year. They're $15. Um, I believe it's 20, 25 card minimums, but uh, it's for TCG as well as for uh, sports. TCG goes back to 1996. Is that it, Dustin? And then sports is 1980 to present. Or should, something. Uh, 1993 was the first Magic set, so that should be. The, the so, so those are grading specials that are taking place now at 15 bucks per uh, graded card, which is a good deal because normally it's 18, 19, sometimes 20 bucks. So jump on that. But the other thing about the Collectors Club revamp is not only do they get the great access to grading specials, but they also get a subscription to PSA Magazine, which is a $50 nice. uh, value. Uh, all of this is for $99, by the way. That's the buy-in for the PSA Collectors Club. You also get a copy of Tom and Ellen's uh, book, uh, The Diamondbacks Collection, nice, yeah. which profiled 50 of the greatest PSA-graded cards ever, uh, baseball cards ever. Uh, and then last but not least, the real piece de resistance for the Collectors Club this time around is a $100 credit uh, for Loop. Now, Loop is this online live streaming marketplace where you can actually take that $100 and apply it to future purchases on their platform. So basically that in itself pays for your collector's club uh, buy-in at 99 bucks. So that's something we just announced on uh, Friday. So I'm happy to get that out there to your listening public. All right. So before we let you guys go, Dustin, uh, people want more information about Pokemon cards. Do they just go to the site? Can they email you? You tell us. Uh, yeah, PSACard.com, like like Terry said, has has a blog that has uh, a lot of very informative entries uh, about not just Pokemon, but Pokemon, but also Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic. Um, there's tie-ins to the set registry there, so I think that's a great resource. Of course, uh, any collector that just wants to chit chat or learn learn more about uh, Pokemon TCG or the set registry is welcome to to email me at dporus at collectors.com. I, I love chatting it up with diehard fans and collectors like myself. Uh, so I'd say those, you know, happy to open myself up for some dialogue, but also PSACard.com is an excellent That's resource. Good. Fantastic. Yeah. Tessa, yeah. we're going to let you go. Terry, can you hang with us? Yeah, I'll hang with you. We have I'll Mr. Toby waiting in the wings. And between the four of us, we know nothing about the industry, so we can, uh, we can have some <laughs> hey, fun. Hey, wait a minute. I went to school. Dustin, thank you so much. We're going to take a quick break. Thanks and we'll a lot, talk to you Dustin. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Hey, we'll be right you. back. Excellent. Great job. Pristine Auction is a family-owned and operated online auction specializing in autographed memorabilia, sports cards, coins, art, and collectibles. 
Since their founding in 2010, they've grown to two facilities in Phoenix, Arizona, totaling over 60,000 square feet. Jared Cavalli and an incredible staff of over 150 team members serve a very large customer base and enjoy every minute of it. By working with leading authentication companies, Pristine ensures all items are 100% authentic. In addition, third-party authenticators regularly travel to Pristine Auction to provide authentication services on-site. Pristine Auction strives to operate its business in a way that's honoring to God, their families, and their customers. With a strong focus on speed, quality, and premier customer service, their mission is to be the leading online auction for every level of collector and fan. Pristine also works for Hope Sports and Identity Hoops International, traveling to Mexico to build houses for the less fortunate. Pristine Auction offers several online auction formats with thousands of auctions ending each day. For more information, go to pristineauction.com. That's Pristine Auction, the best in the business. If you're a discerning collector interested in owning the most important pieces in the hobby, look no further than Leland's Auctions. The original sports auction and appraisal house, Leland's was established in 1985 by legendary pioneer founder Joshua Leland Evans. And today, President Mike Hefner carries on their tradition. From the Tom Brady card and memorabilia collection, to the famed Boston Garden auction, to high-end card auctions from every major sport, Leland's has always maintained the highest standards. Go to Leland's.com and get your bid in. That's Leland's the hobby's leading sports auction house for four decades. It's often been said that championships are won on the practice field and world records come only to those willing to work harder than everybody else. Heritage Auctions is the world's largest collectibles auctioneer because we believe that becoming the best is only an invitation to the challenge of remaining the best. This requires the skills of the hobby's top experts capable of identifying and maximizing value for our consigners. It requires the most visited website in the industry, courting a global audience of collectors over a million and a half strong. It requires a dedicated press department that expands our global reach far beyond the entrenched hobby marketplace. It's hard work, but a simple premise. Present the finest collectibles to the largest population of potential buyers, and world records will come. We invite all listeners to put the unmatched power of Heritage Auctions to work for you. Auction evaluations are always free, and our commission-based fee structure ensures that our interests are always aligned, the highest possible price for your collectibles. There will always be new world records to chase, so let's chase them together. Visit our website at ha.com and request your no-obligation review today. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. 
So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. They are prized possessions, and you need a place to store them that is safe and secure. The eBay Vault is exactly that, an insured, climate-controlled facility with state-of-the-art security that guards your valuable collection around the clock. Your vault account is protected by two-step verification and easily accessible through eBay Collection. And everything stored in the eBay Vault is backed by Authenticity Guarantee. Buying and selling is a seamless experience. When you buy an eligible card on eBay, it can be sent directly to the eBay Vault at checkout. Or, if it's already in the eBay Vault, you can just keep it there. And selling from the eBay Vault is just as easy. Every card in the Vault has been expertly inspected, detailed, and photographed, so you can quickly sell it with a pre-populated listing. And if your buyer chooses to withdraw their card from the eBay Vault, we handle packing, shipping, and insurance. And same goes for you. If you want that rare rookie card in your hands, you can have it shipped to you at any time. Collect like a pro with the eBay Vault. We are back. You know something? eBay. Yes, we are. The eBay Vault. I was telling Mallory, <clears throat> the eBay Vault, why don't you and I like, have a vault? Yeah, you want to? Put stuff in it. All right. Let's do like it. Like your memorabilia? Not mine. You're not getting mine, buddy. My no, kids got it. You are so get. cheap, man. You are so cheap. But, uh, yeah, I get the vault. Uh, uh, Terry, where are you at? Are you uh, in California? I'm in Oceanside, uh, North County, San Diego. That's where oh, I live. San Diego, nice. All right, so we're going to bring so in our other pal. You'll see the shortstop there. <laughs> that's right. Bogey's coming to town. Oh, oh please, uh, don't go down that I road, know, all right? Uh, that's all right. <laughs> Actually, this is why we're bringing in this next uh, really good friend. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, JT Sports, but John Tommy is in the house. Hey, John. John. Tom. Rico, how are you? Well, good. pretty good. We've both been. Uh, you guys have been sick at all with the flu? It's really going around up, uh, up well, on our. Country. I don't know what it is, but I think I've had a runny nose for the last three months. Oh yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's you unbelievable. Know, that time Just, of year. Yep. So listen, John. Before we, we're going to get into a little few things today. We're going to keep you right to the end of the show, you and Terry, because oh. we're going to talk about JT Sports. But we're going to talk a little baseball too, and, and the, just the well, whole the whole sure, industry. Sure. So let's talk about JT. What's going on? I know that uh, you've, you've bought in some amazing bats uh, in recent auctions. Tell us about some of the good stuff you got, if you can remember. If I can remember, well, I mean, there's been uh, you know since the fall, really since the national, we've been. Uh, you know, taking in uh, a lot of material from all the auction companies throughout the country, our friends at Heritage, uh, Leland's, uh, Golden. I mean, a lot of material has come in. We're looking at, uh, I don't want to give away any surprises, but uh, coming up in future auctions. But we've looked at some great, uh, recently a beautiful Ted Williams, Rico. From, Ted Williams, uh, Rico? <laughs> Signed by Ted, Ted Williams. Williams. Ted yeah. Williams. What's that, game uh, used bat? A gamer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. A gorgeous bat from, uh, geez, he ordered it September 1st. 
1960. Whoa. Oh, his last last order of bats, as a matter of fact. Yeah, he was Uh, something. John, I saw, I mean, I've seen some of the bats that have already shown up in some of these auctions. Yeah. I mean, this has been some really cool stuff that has gone through your hands that you've authenticated. Oh, well, you know, that, well, that's the, the bonus of the, uh, you know, I, you know, if you want to call it a job and not a passion, you know, that we do here, but the, uh, you know, the recent sales, you've seen that Ty Cobb, the photo match Cobb, right. Uh, you know, that one stands out. Um, you know, that bat, uh, you know, 1914 photo match with Cobb and Joe Jackson, Jeez. uh, just a tremendous nice. piece. Wow. Hey, yeah, the, 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 uh, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, for the Yankees? Judge? Yeah, ju- the judge. Do you have a judge bat? I mean, is there a chance to get his, the one that he hit the 62, second one with? I know the well, baseball went for what, a million and a half or something. Million and a half, million yeah. and a half. Oh, and, geez. you know, we have, um, the, I was speaking with Fanatics, who, uh, has a little arrangement with, uh, Aaron Judge. And honestly, they don't know, uh, you know, what what they may have or when they may have it. Uh, but uh, there's been a couple of bats that we've had in the office here that are representative of him. And uh, um, I'm telling you that you, you can't keep them, you know, right now. And, but there's some people are trying to judge where the market's going to be when these bats finally come out, if they do. Hmm. So... Uh, you mean uh, financial? Uh, financially, you mean? Uh, yeah, I mean how how popular? They oh, are. sure. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is uh, arguably, uh, you know, he's right now the you know one of the biggest stars, if not the biggest in the sport. Yeah. Plus, he's a New York Yankee, and Yankee material always tends to, uh, you know, uh, sure be a little uh, outsell, and you know, is priced higher than any other material. Yeah. John, you do yeah. quite. Okay, Terry, what were you going to say? John, I have a quick question for you. You had sure. mentioned that Ted's last uh, bat order came on September 1st, 1960. Yep. And last home run was September 28th, 1960. That's right. The 521st home run. Um, how many bats were in that original or that order, I should say, that last one? And I'm just curious, does a guy usually order a bunch of bats knowing that he's probably going to hang it up three weeks later? Well, I, in the order, there was a dozen bats. And they were, they were the W215 model. That's it, yeah. All right. And, uh, you know, that's the model also, Rico, that uh, Yaz, you know, started using, probably yeah. under the influence of Ted. Oh, um, all of us. Well, no, you use a U1. I, no, no, that was, uh, I used different, different models. But when I first came up, because of Ted, come to spring training and all that, yeah. I ordered a two. Two one fives also, but it was it was too too big for me. You know what I mean? Uh, and yeah, it's got all the good wood anyway, so it didn't matter. <laughs> well, Rico, Rico's bats used to have holes in them. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, you had nice grain. You had nice wide grain. Yeah, on your I know. Yeah, <laughs> I no wish cooking. I would have hit no the cooking. ball with that grain. Right. But no, the, but, uh, you know the Williams bat. This one has provenance, and it was uh, cracked by Ted on September, I believe it was September 11th or 12th, you know, two weeks after he received the order. Yeah, John, does so, anybody is in that order of bats, the last home run, is that bat exist 
the uh, um, I believe that bat is in the Hall of Fame. It is. Okay. I think so, yeah. too. Yeah. Tremendous piece. Tremendous piece. And the best part about it was the, the way Ted exited. It was so typically Ted, Ted Williams. He didn't even tip his cap. Nope. It was like so There was only like 10,000 people at the game. Yeah, that. yeah. It was raining. Yeah. It was, weather wasn't good. Right, listen, he, we got about five minutes left, uh, David. We, uh, let's, let's change gears with both of you guys. John, you know, I made a comment. I know you're not going to like what I'm saying, but it seems as though the Yankees are always trying to buy a championship. <laughs> well, George Steinbrenner, okay, is responsible for the game as it is today. You know, the Yankees, uh, look, there's no question he went out. He was the first guy to, you know, give big money on free agent contracts. Catfish Hunter. And not only that, you know, one of the first teams to have a cable network. You know, you guys were discussing that earlier. You know, the advertising revenue. Uh, He goes out, he brings in... uh, Players like, uh, you know, Hideki Arabu, uh, Matsui opens up the Oriental market, the TV market there, uh, merchandise sales over there. Uh, you know, the Yankees are all about, you know, winning. That's part of their marketing plan. And, uh, you know, look, everybody today, it's not as if, you know, everybody has money. It's just how do they use it? Do they put it to the bottom line of the club? Or do they go out and buy players? And it seems like look at the terms, these contracts, and the amounts. Well, you know something, staggering. Terry, Terry made a good point. And you made—I don't know what your feelings are, but Shane Bloom wants to develop. He's he's the general manager of the Red Sox. He wants to develop from inside. But then again, if you look at Dave Dombrowski, Dave Dombrowski bought a championship. He got the okay to do that, Terry. I mean. That's when uh, the owners uh, said, go ahead, we want a championship. And he went out and bought plays, spent a lot of money. So you think and they criticized him for it. Are you think they're He's positioning doing themselves to sell the club? And that's well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, but- also, I'm, I'm also wondering about the interference or the distraction that like the, the Fenway group has right now. They have a lot of uh, different uh, commodities, if you will. There's um, Manchester United, for instance. Uh, they purchased. So um, how much how much focus is really just on the Red Sox? When John mentioned Steinbrenner, of course, back in the, what was it, 73, 74, whenever yeah. he signed Catfish Hunter, that was the first million dollar contract that I remember being offered to a player. Um, that was groundbreaking at the time. Um, but again, Steinbrenner was focused on the Yankees. Uh, John Henry, I think, has got his hands in a lot of different pots. <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguins. Pittsburgh Penguins. He wants to buy a hockey uh, team. He bought him. He bought yeah. Did he and, buy him? Uh, yeah. And how about the uh, the the uh, race, the racing? Uh, he's involved. Oh, yeah. with the, with racing. the racing also, right? But I'm I'm just saying. So yeah, he hired yeah. a guy like Chain Bloom to come in and be the GM and you know try to like you said grow from within uh, maybe through the farm system. But you know at the same time, don't deplete your stars. I, uh, I agree. I just, I mean, if, you know, ha- they're they're trying to negotiate, renegotiate with Devers. I mean, honestly. If, Pay him whatever if, he wants. I agree. If you're Raphael Devers, do you want to stay there with what's going on? Absolutely not. I agree with you. Right now, no. No, no. I, I hope to God he doesn't leave. But, yeah, what's what's there to keep him? I agree. I don't know. Exactly. I mean, yeah. and, you know, Next it's the, same, it's the Red Sox. I don't know. That's one of the teams that belong and always will be in the foundation of the game. Yes. I mean, the Red Sox, you know, yeah. 
Ben no, Wayne, you're right, one John. of the originals. You're right. All right so we have about a minute right. left. John, uh, website address, gtsports.com, correct? GameUsedBats.com. That's your website address? <laughs> hey, John, I'm going to make an offer. I'm a little slow. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little slow. I'm going to make an offer on that uh, Ted Williams bat. Eight okay. bucks. I'll give hey, you Tom, a, I also just want to mention, any, anybody who wants to join the PSA Collectors Club, go to psacard.com yeah. backslash join. That's great. It's 99 bucks. It's a great deal. Do it. Absolutely. Thank you, guys, as always. We yeah, wish you both hey, thanks a lot. very, very happy holidays. All right, give you 2000 for Ted Williams bat. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, uh, you guys know what you mean to the show. You guys have been yeah, big thanks. supporters of the show since day one. We love you. Have a great holiday. Yeah, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Healthy happy New Year. Healthy. A, a good 2023, guys. Happy holidays, guys. Okay. Thanks. With that being said, Rico, we're just about out of time. I can't believe. It. Merry, Christmas, Merry Christmas. Happy, happy New, Year. New Year. And to, to our everybody. listening audience. Happy uh, New Year, Dave, Chrissy, Chrissy, David. Great job as always. And to our viewers and listeners, happy collecting.